Uh, we're in a series where we're going through the Ten Commandments. We are today at number five. Let's see how well you've been doing. Number one is, great job. No other gods. Ran out of room. Number two is, no, don't, but what's that key word there? Make. Yes, that's good. Don't, we'll say don't make idols. Keyword on that, make. Anything that's, that's human made, anything that we're in control of, don't make any idols. Number three, don't misuse God's name. We ask the question, how unique and special and meaningful is God's name in our family and in our own lives? And last week, number four was... Yes, keep the Sabbath day holy. You guys are doing great. Either you're cheating and nothing's on the screen, right? Okay, just making sure. Keep the Sabbath day holy or you're actually remembering me. That's good. All right, number five. Anybody know the fifth one? There it is. There it is. Yes, honor mom and dad. We're going to look at that one. So let's look at it. Let's see what scripture says. Some of these have some, some long explanations when it comes down to the fifth one, and we begin to turn the corner here. You'll see that it's kind of short to the point, but I want you to pay attention to how, through God's commands, he's, he's turning the corner with this. The first three specifically are, are all dealing with our priority of God, specifically our priorities with God. No other gods, don't make any other idol. He's first, he's number one. We only let him in our lives, and we only trust him with our lives. Third, uh, don't misuse God's name, has everything to do with the meaningfulness of God's name in our families. Then the fourth one, still focused on our duty to God, but it's less as a, of a priority of God being our priority and more of a priority of us aligning our schedules, our rhythms. We talked about rhythms last week and the patterns to his. So these first four all have to do with us and our duties to and for God. Now all of a sudden we hit number five and we turn. Honor your father and mother is obviously moving. We still honor God, but it's focusing on our relationship with somebody else. Here it is in Exodus chapter 20. This is where all the Ten Commandments are listed out. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. God says, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. Now, what we notice here is not just the command, but unlike other commandments, there's a promise attached to this one. And often that's the first thing that we notice because the command is, is relatively simple before we dive into it. Honor your father and mother then. In other words, if you follow this command, if you honor your father and mother, then here's what's gonna happen. There's a promise directly tied to if we do or don't follow God's command. The promise that's listed here in scripture is if you obey, or if you honor rather, then you will live a long, full life in the land your Lord God is giving you. Now, we can read that and immediately take it very, very literal and think, well, if I honor my parents, then I get this long and happy life. If I honor my parents, then I'm given material things. And, and understand, that's not what's going on here. This long and full life is more of that abundant living. It's that quality of life. It's not the material stuff and the material possessions. Honoring your parents doesn't make you rich. In fact, it probably does the opposite of that. <laughs> Honoring your parents brings a quality of life into your family. And not just the relationship between you and your mom and dad, not just that relationship, but it seeps through the entire family. So as I honor my parents, that quality of life in the family not just helps my 
my immediate family with my parents, but also my, my current family with my wife and my kids. It seeps all the way through. And so it's a quality of life. And what we see is this is what begins to tip the scale of dysfunction. This tips the scale of dysfunction. As we increase honor in our families, as we increase honor, we will begin to see the dysfunction decrease. As we increase the honor in our families, we will see that the, decrease, the, the dysfunction will begin to decrease in our families. So here's why that's important. Because so often we want to know what to do to fix our family, right? Well, what's wrong so I can fix it? Well, that's at least a guy's perspective. What's wrong so I can fix it? Ladies, you tend to talk about it a little bit more. I just want to know what to do to fix it. And the problem is we don't always know what to do. And so here God's telling us, if you want to increase the functionality, if you want to increase the health, increase the growth, increase the thriving side of your family and decrease the dysfunction, what you have to do is increase the honor because there's a promise tied to it. If you increase honor, if you honor your father and mother, then you will live a long and full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. As we increase honor, the dysfunction of our family will begin to decrease. You see, true dysfunction is really rooted in dishonor. As you start to think of what honor looks like and what honor means, you can very easily pick out what's dishonoring, what, what a picture, an image, or an example of dishonor looks like. And the dysfunction that we, regardless of the level or, or, or severity of the dysfunction, the level of dysfunction in some ways is rooted in our dishonoring of our parents and dishonoring of others. So what honoring does is it brings the functionality, the growth, the thriving. It's that promise that he mentions in that fifth commandment. Now, honoring, understand, is, is not just lip service. Honoring is not just obedience. That's part of it, as we're going to see. But honoring allows us to, to live together in an honorable way, but that doesn't mean we always agree. You can be honoring and disagree. You can honor but still be upset. You can be honoring but still have some rough and rocky seasons in your life, in your marriage, with your family, with your parent relationship. So honor doesn't mean perfect harmony, not at all. Honor is a, an attitude and a status, we're gonna see, that includes behaviors that changes so many things within our family. But it doesn't mean the family's perfect. Remember, perfect families don't exist, but great families are very obtainable. And if we wanna have a great family, we have to Make sure that we are increasing honor, that we are adding honor, specifically as the Ten Commandments say here, to our parents. So what does that kind of look like? That word honor, it's sometimes we can get some mental pictures and images with it, but literally what that word honor means is to add weight. That's what it means. Honoring someone means you are adding weight. If you're honoring a position, you're adding weight. Now, I would highly suggest not going to your mom this week as an application of this wonderful message, saying, Mom, I want to honor you, so I am therefore going to add weight to you. Not a good choice of words here. But that's what, he, that's, that's what Scripture really means. It's this adding weight. It's adding value. So if we can't use that same word, but just saying, I honor you, Mother. I honor you, Father. That kind of, it's just lip service. That doesn't really help at all. So what does it look like to truly honor our parents and honor those in our family? Um, I'll show you something that we've done. This has been a, a tradition. I've shared this before. A tradition started when I was growing up with my parents, and it was called the red plate. And this is called the special plate, thus red, but as a kid, you just called it the red plate. And what we would do is anytime somebody needed to be recognized, that they did something great, it was honorable, it was worthy of taking note of, that person in the family would get the special plate that night. So maybe it was on a birthday, maybe it was on a, getting a good 
good grade on a test or in, in a class. Maybe it was because somebody acted well. Whatever the reason was, or didn't even have to be a reason, just you are because you are, and we love you for who you are. Whatever it might have been, my parents would give somebody in the family a special plate or the special plate for dinner that night. And then what started to happen is my sister and I then started, well, let, let's start that too. We can start to give the special plate to our parents. And so I'd go to my mom, can I give dad the special plate? She's like, sure, what for? And we'd have a reason or just because he's our dad and we love him. Whatever the reason would be, we would be able to give that person the special plate. They'd eat off it that night. And it was a value moment for that individual. When Becky and I got married, my parents bought us our own special plate. And this has become a tradition in our family now. It's to the point where Connor, my four-year-old, he'll say, can we give mommy the special plate? And I'm like, sure, let's give her the special plate. Why? And he'll make up a reason. I'm like, that's a good reason. Let's give her the special plate. And can we give Cole the special plate? And he's 18 months, so he doesn't really do anything. But sure, we love him anyway. And so it's become a, I have a harder time with newborns, by the way. So it's become a tradition. This is one of the ways that in our family, we've been able to make it a little bit more real, a little bit more tangible. And here's what it looks like to add value to somebody. Here's what it looks like to add weight to somebody. Maybe it's something they've done. Maybe it's just because who they are. One of the things I've been trying to do to help with each of these commandments is, is to resource you, to give you tools, to give you ideas, to give you talking points as a family so that you just don't see these up here on the chalkboard and then go home. But I want you to really begin to make these commandments part of your family and especially the application. So put this in your context. What does it look like to add value to your parents? What does it look like to add weight to your, your family? Maybe it's a special plate, maybe it's, maybe it's not. You gotta figure out what that is for you. But I've got a little surprise for you. Uh, parents, you are always given like a number. So that way if your kid starts needing you, we can easily get a hold of you and it makes sure that there's security to line up. So I'm gonna treat this like a raffle this morning. So parents, pull out your number card of your children. Let's see if you win something. You ready for this? All right, here's, here's what I need to find. I need this family, the family of child Z29. Is there a family? Unless you guys went to Waffle House. Z29, is that you over here? All right. What's your, what's your child's name? Oh my goodness, you got all of them. Well, hey, I've got a special plate for you and your family. So you guys can make that part of your family tradition if you guys want to, to add some weight and add some value. There you go. Now, all of you parents that lose those every Sunday, you know not to lose them anymore, do you? You never know what you're going to get. So figure out what it looks like to add weight in your family. What does it look like to honor your parents starting out? Because that's the commandment. It doesn't, doesn't specifically say, we're going to look at this, honoring spouses, honoring kids, honoring others. We're going to see that in Scripture, but it starts out specifically in Scripture to honor your father and mother. Now, when we look at that Scripture, we notice the promise, but we also notice some things that are missing. Look back, Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and mother, period. Then you will live a long, and lo a long and full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. There's no disclaimer here. There's no fine print. There's not a footnote that says honor your father and mo mother except in these situations. And please, please understand me. I, I totally know that in a room this size that there are many relationships with you and parents, you and your mom and dad, that are, this is difficult to swallow. You're saying, ah, you don't know what I grew up in. You don't know the abuse. You don't know the neglect. You don't know the, the life that I had to walk through. There's no way I'm going to honor my parents. And that was not me, so I can't stand up here and say, man, I understand where you're at and understand what you're going through. But I want you to see this in, in its entirety. So, so hang with me before you just totally shut off for a minute. Hang with me because I want you to see where God's going to take this. But there's no disclaimer. It's not specific to 
whether you still live with your parents or whether they still live with you. It has nothing to do with whose roof you are living under. It's a blanket statement that says, honor your father and mother. And it's specific to talk about the position, mother and father, mom and dad, parent, that position of parents. And what we see with honor is we honor not necessarily the person. We, we don't necessarily honor their performance in the role. We honor the position. We honor the role that that person is in. You don't have to like what they've done. You don't have to agree with everything they've done. You don't have to commend what they've done. But what God is saying is honor the position, not necessarily the person and not necessarily even their performance. That's a difficult thing to do, though, because we have a hard time detaching those. We see the person and what they've done in that position as mother, as father, and we have a hard time honoring them. And if that's, in, if that's where you're at, if that's the space you're in, it's going to be real important for you to be able to think this way and to say, I give honor because of my character, not necessarily theirs. I give honor because I'm commanded to. I give honor because of my character. I give honor because God's asked me to, not because they deserve it. Understand, this is a big differentiating factor between respect and honor. Respect is deserved. You have to earn somebody's respect, and that is more based on merit, what you've done, who you are, your character, your integrity. Honor is just given. You don't have to earn honor. You don't necessarily even have to deserve honor. God has positions of authority and roles throughout our society and our culture that he says that's worthy of honor. Whether you agree with them or not, whether you like them or not, whether they have hurt you or not, you're honoring not the person, but the position that they uphold. Let me show you a few of these. Like I said, honor father and mother is the only honor command in the Ten Commandments, but we see honor throughout Scripture. Let me give you a few examples here. Psalm 22, 23. You don't have to flip through. I'll put them on the screen for you. We honor God. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. So we honor God. Doesn't mean you always agree with God. Doesn't mean you always understand God's ways or God's word, but God, we honor him. We honor authority. The authority is placed over us. Romans 13, five through seven, talking about our governing authorities. Nobody wants me to preach on this one. I'll be really short on this one. Verse five, so you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Understand there, it's we honor the position. We honor our authorities, not just so we don't get in trouble, but because it's the right thing to do. You see that distinction here? So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes too for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. We feel like that's debatable sometimes. Verse seven, give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor, two different things. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. We don't have to agree with the person that is in that position, that is taking up that role. We don't even necessarily have to like them, but scripture tells us we honor the position. We honor the role that they are taking, not necessarily who they are and how well they are actually doing it. We honor our church leaders, 1 Timothy 5, 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of, look at this, of double honor, especially those who, whose work is preaching and teaching. Now that is not specific to a stage platform like this. In fact, it's more talking about those that are leading all these other people and all these other groups. In biblical times, there wasn't a, a main preacher 
mean, they had house churches, they, and they had people teaching and preaching all throughout the cities and all throughout the different temples and synagogues. So, man, if you want to honor somebody in our church, you honor those kids workers that are teaching your kids about Jesus right now. You honor our student leaders and student volunteers who are helping students sort through and navigate the mess and culture of life so that they can know God's word. Life group leaders, man, if you are in a life group, honor your life group leader this week because what are they doing? They are helping us understand God's word and how to apply it. Doesn't matter if they do a great job of it all the time, we still honor them because of the position that they are holding. Honor your elders. Some of you guys are gonna love this one. I went all the way and pulled this one from Leviticus. Leviticus 19.32, look at this. You shall rise up before the gray-headed. I love that language, the gray-headed. And honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. So for all of you gray-headeds in here, you are to be honored because of the position you have, because of the experience you have. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you are to be honored because of the position you have as the aged. That's a good way of saying it, right? Not old, the aged. Maybe you don't agree with me. <laughs> 1 Peter 3, 7. First part of uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. In the same way, this is talking specifically in the roles of the family. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as well as you live together. That's the first part. And here, not just honoring mom and dad. We also honor our, our spouse, doesn't mean that they're perfect all the time. Doesn't mean they always do it the best, but we honor the position. We honor the role that they have. You seeing the trend here? The trend that we see with this idea of honor, of adding weight, of adding value has, I mean, honestly, don't mishear me, but it has very little to do with the actual person. It has everything to do with the role that God is allowing them to fulfill. When we honor, we honor the position that they are holding. And what that allows us to do Churches, it allows us to honor people that have hurt us. It allows us to honor people that we've disagreed with. It allows us to honor those that we don't get along with, that we've had maybe difficulties in the past, to say the least. So this is no longer a commandment about if you like them, obey them, or if you agree with them, follow them, or if they've earned it, respect them. No, this is a, if they're your parents, you honor them just like we see throughout scripture, but out of all the scriptures that speak of honor, the only commandment that speaks specifically to honor is number five, honor your father and mother. Now, when we begin to add honor, when we increase honor, it decreases our dysfunctionality, it increases our functionality as a family, but it also begins to change the culture of our family. You can all sit here, and as I'm talking about honoring your father and mother, you can immediately go to probably examples, usually at the grocery store, where, ooh, that child's not very honoring right now. That's a family of dysfunction. You all know what it looks like. It's easy to point out the dysfunction. It's a lot harder to point out the, the functionality, the honoring. It's easier to see the dishonoring moments in families. But what we see is as we add honor, as we increase the honor in our family, the culture of our family begins to change. If you're in the business world, and especially if you're a CEO, management, higher up, you, you know your company has mission, vision, and values, right? And the mission says, this is why we exist. This is why we offer the products we do. This is why we serve the way that we do. This is the, the niche of a market that we have chosen to be in. That's the, the mission. The vision is kind of what we're doing, what we're about. It's, it's usually given a time frame. Hey, what we want to see happen in the next one to five years or so. That's what vision is. And then you have these things called values. Most companies call them core values. And these shape the organization and the employees of the organization. For example, you guys been to a McDonald's? 
Yep, this is the second time I've talked about McDonald's with the Ten Commandments, by the way. McDonald's on one side. Have you been to a Chick-fil-A? All right. So, see, that tells you everything you need to know. Now, understand this. McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, they exist for basically the same reason. They provide food to people, and they do it in a relatively quick amount of time. They both do the exact same thing. The, the vision for what they want to see happen is about the same as well. They want to see profits. They want to see growth. They want to see expansions. They want to see their company, their restaurants in more areas throughout the United States and throughout the world. Their mission and vision are about the same. But what sets McDonald's and Chick-fil-A apart are their values. McDonald's values, what do you think? Tell me. What do you think they value? Be nice, by the way. Money, most definitely. They're, hey, how can we just get more profit and spend less, right? What else do they value? <laughs> they value time. They want you in and out as quick as possible. In and out as quick as possible. They try to make it as simple. Uh, just order one of these numbers. You don't have to even go through the, the, the order anymore. They, they want to make sure that everybody would have something to pick from. So they've got Mick Cafe all the way to healthy salads, to chicken and hamburgers and kids. So they offer a wide variety because they want to make sure that everybody in the family could eat something there at that one stop. That's what they value, and it dictates everything. Their employees, their decision, the culture, the vibe when you walk in. Now, you walk into a Chick-fil-A, they actually call it their core four. And you've experienced this. Here's Chick-fil-A's core four. Eye contact. When you go up and order, do they look you in the eye? Yeah. They smile. That's an actual value. They want their employees to smile, speak enthusiastically, and stay connected. They don't want you in and out. They want to get to know you. They want to hang out with you. They want to ask you about your kids and your family. Now, two restaurants that do basically the same thing have totally different environments and cultures because of the values that they agree upon. When you agree on the values in your family and you're all increasing the value of honor, when you're adding value to one another, the way God says, it changes the culture of your family radically. Another great example, we, yay for Publix being in Dawsonville now. We're super excited for Publix. My wife took our, our kids, they were both napping and she's got two toddlers with her. She decided to go to the grand opening of Publix, which yay for Publix, but I was like, suicidal? Why would you do that? But she said the coolest thing. She called me. She said, I had the best experience at Publix ever. And I'm like, oh no, what did our kids do? She walked in and you can imagine a cart, a stroller, and these kids. And as soon as she walked in, she had, these employees came up and they said, oh man, are, are you going to try to do this? Is your husband around? Why would he let you leave the house with these two kids? And, and she said, no, no, I'm out by myself. And she had a personal shopper walk with her and talk with her the entire time at Publix. You're not going to get that somewhere else. Here's why. You take any, of the, any other grocery store, right? What they do, they provide groceries. Why, why do they do it? Well, because they want to have profits, just like any other business. But the how they do it, the values, if you go and talk to somebody at Publix, and especially in the customer service, it's not necessarily customer service. They call it customer value. And so for Publix, it's not just about serving. It's about adding value to the customers, what's what she experienced. So Two totally different grocery stores that are trying to do basically the, ex the exact same thing, but they do it in totally different ways. That's what it looks like to have the right values. So the question would be, in your family, what are your core values? Do you value one another? What does it look like for you to add honor to your family? All right, let's make this real. Let's, let's, what does it look like? So we know we're supposed to honor. We add value to one another. It changes our culture and it begins to change our behavior but I want you to see how it actually changes your behavior. Because honor, again, it's kind of this big idea. What does it look like in a situation? Let me give you one. 
1 Samuel 26. Now, this is not specific to the family, but I think you'll see it relates very, very well. Here you have David and Saul. Saul is the king of Israel, anointed by God and still on the throne. He is still king. But God has also told David, David, you're next. You're not king yet, but you're next in line. And so you have this interesting dynamic of Saul, who is king, David, who's soon to be king. Everybody loves David. Nobody likes Saul. Saul has actually become, an, in many ways, an evil king. And he's now trying to kill David because David has gotten all the recognition. Everybody likes David. Everybody's ready for David to be king. And we see this situation where Saul is out chasing down David to kill him. David is running away. David gets wind of an area that Saul was camping at. And I want you to see this scene. 1 Samuel 26, verse 7. So David and Abishai, that was one of his right-hand man's military leaders, they went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner, that's one of the military officers of Saul, Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. God has surely handed your enemy over to you in this time. Abishai whispered to David, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. Now, again, picture the scene. David and one of his right-hand guys in the military, they sneak into Saul's camp. Saul's been trying to kill David for a while now. Almost succeeded a few times. And every time David's ran, every time David's fled. So now he sneaks into Saul's camp. Everybody is asleep. And right there next to Saul is his spear. And David and his buddy look and say, man, we won't miss. We could take Saul's spear, one thrust, he's gone, you're king, everybody's happy. Look at David's response, verse 9. No, David said, don't kill him. Now we would have to ask the question, why? Isn't that what you do? I mean, an eye for an eye, he's after you, we'll get to him first. God's already left, Saul told him he's not going to be king for much longer, so David, it's, it's on you now, right? This is, a, this is what God's doing, he's giving you an opportunity, take it. David says, no, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he will die of old age in battle, or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed, but take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. David did not like Saul. He did not agree with Saul, but he honored the position that Saul still held as king. And in our families, sometimes it feels like it gets that tense. And it becomes this retribution, eye for an eye, you did this, and now I'm going to do this, and get back, and you didn't talk to me, so I'm never going to talk to you, except everybody else about you. And we have this back and forth, this back and forth. And in the most tense of moments, David says, no. We honor the position. He is still king, whether I like it or not. And I don't have to like him, and I don't have to agree with him but I'm not going to take him away from that. And what did he say? He's trusting God. Every one of these 10 commandments has an element of trust in it. He says, surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday or he will die of old age or in battle. In other words, God, I'm gonna honor the position. I'm gonna trust that you're just gonna take care of him. He doesn't deserve my respect. He doesn't deserve honor, but the position he's in, I'm commanded to honor. So David honors the position, not the person in regards to the king. That's what it looks like in our family. Regardless how difficult that individual or individuals have been, we honor the position, not necessarily the person.
sin. So let's lean in one more time here. So it's changing our behavior. If we honor our parents, honor our father and mother, we know the result. Our functionality is going to be growing. We're going to be thriving as a family, growing as a family. We're going to be healthier as a family because we have increased on in our family. We know it's going to change the culture of our family. We know that our behaviors are going to begin to be changed. But let's, let's really narrow this down. I brought with me, here is, uh, I'm not, I didn't grow up with guns, but I did go shooting for the first time not that long ago. And I would say, minus these little guys up here, don't worry about them. I did okay. I did okay. Now, granted, I'm probably only, I think, seven to 10 yards away. So that tells you a whole lot there. But here's, here's why we have to have these. If I went out shooting, especially for the first time, without a target, and I'm just, I'm going to just aim in this general direction, you never know if you're actually aiming in the right direction. You never know if you're actually on point or on target. You have no way to evaluate. You have no way of knowing how well you're doing. Are you getting better? Are you getting worse? There's no way. So we have a target that tells us, hey, that was pretty good and not so good, not very good at all. I hit the target. I missed the target. I hit the target. I missed the target. You have a way of knowing. So here's what I'm going to do real quick. I'm going to blow through some of these, and I'd encourage you to write them down. These are going to be your targets. If you're going to increase honor in your family, if you're going to add value specifically to your parents, but as scripture tells us, we honor a bunch of people because of their position. We honor our kids. We honor our spouses. We honor our parents, specifically our parents. But here's the targets we need to start hitting. The first one is understanding. Are we understanding of someone else? Usually, when we begin to to fight and to get defensive, it's because we have not taken the time to listen and understand where they're coming from. That doesn't mean we always have to agree, but can I understand your perspective? Stephen Furtick, a pastor, he said, you can't love someone if you're not willing to understand their perspective. I would agree. That if we're going to honor the position, not necessarily the person, I need to be willing to understand them. Don't have to like or agree with it, but can I begin to try to understand? Understanding is a target to aim for. Humility. Specifically in the family, humility has two sides to it. One has, has that, I'll let you go first. It's that share mentality that we try to teach our kids. But on the other side, and this becomes more prominent as we get older, as our parents get older, is to, to relent. It's to not necessarily jump, jump in all at once, but to show some restraint. That's humility. Instead of saying what I want to say just because I can, I'm going to show restraint. That's humility. So we aim for humility and restraint. Forgiveness. Aim for forgiveness. Honor leaves a lot of room for mistakes and imperfection because we're not perfect whatsoever. Honor says, I'm still going to honor the position, even though the person is going to fail at times. I'm going to honor the position regardless of how well they actually fulfill the position. We make room for mistakes and imperfections by forgiving. The words that we say and the words that we don't say, that kind of goes into that restraint. What do we say to our parents? What do we say to one another? How sarcastic can we or are we? Can we be in our What are the ways that we pray for one another? Let me challenge you on that one. A great way to honor your parents is to pray for them. Let them know you're praying for them. Ask them, how can I pray for you? Things that we do in church world all the time, but we don't always translate that to to our family, specifically our parents. Using words to actually honor in the things that we do say and the things that we don't say. Now let me pause here and just give you a, a, a quick insight. As you're aiming for these targets, it's important you hit them all. Because if you don't hit them all and you get to words, it can just come across as lip service. Well, you're just saying that. That's why it's important that we also have the humility behind it. 
as well as the forgiveness and the track record of forgiveness, as well as seeking to understand so that by the time we're ready to say something, that it's not just words, but it's words that come from a good place and they know that. Attitude. This is the how we say things. We've all heard that, right? It's not what you said, it's how you say it. It's the body language. It's the nonverbals. And so it's not just what we say, but we're aiming to say it in a way that truly is honorable and is honoring. Last one here, obedience. I said obedience is a part of it. It is not all. Obedience, you can, you can obey and be honoring, but you can also obey and be dishonoring. Does that make sense? But obedience is most definitely part of honoring. Ephesians 6, verse 1, says this. Children, obey your parents. Pretty cut and dry. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Then Paul actually quotes the fifth commandment here. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. I want you to pay attention here. Look at the whys. We don't ask why enough in church. Look at this. Verse 1, children, obey your parents. No disclaimer, but why? Why should I obey? Why should I honor? Especially if you knew what they did, Brian. Why should I honor? Paul gives two reasons. None of them have to do with how well our parents served us as parents. Why do we obey? Why do we honor? Because it's the right thing to do. The last part of verse 1, for this is the right thing to do. God says, it's a commandment. It's the right thing to do. We give honor freely, whereas respect is earned and deserved. So we have a command that says honor the position, the role, the authority, not necessarily the person. It's the right thing to do. But maybe more importantly, why do we obey our parents and honor our parents? As Paul says here, because you belong to who? Who do you belong to? The Lord. You do not belong to mom and dad. We honor our parents. But we obey and honor our parents, Scripture says, because we belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. In 1 Corinthians, we are told that we were bought at a price. We are not our own. And if anything, this fifth commandment is, is an overflow of what we recognize God has done for us. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his grace. We don't deserve his forgiveness. There's nothing we can do to earn it. God has chosen to love us in such a sacrificial, humiliating, unconditional way that has nothing to do with what I have done. It has everything to do with who I am in him, which is a child of God. God loves us and even honors us because we are his children. We're part of his family. Even when we are disrespectful, even when we are dishonoring, even when we do everything in the book against him, we still belong to the Lord. Craig Rochelle, another pastor, he said it much better than I ever could. He says this, we'll honor others not because we want to be good people, but because his name is on our hearts. We're no longer common or ordinary because having his name on us makes us valuable. We have God's autograph written across our hearts just as a great painter would sign his masterpiece. If you are a Christian, what makes you valuable is the name of Jesus written on your heart. Now what's the result of that? Because of what he did for us on the cross, our only reasonable response is to do something with our lives that honors him. It's not the person we honor necessarily. It's not their performance. 
It's the position that they have in our life. I know that's a hard one to swallow for many of you. But if we will increase our honor, we will see the dishonor and the dysfunction and the unhealthy conflict and the tensions begin to decrease. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for such an incredible example in your word of not the the, the perfections, but man, because of our imperfections, you still love us and go out of your way for us. What a great example for us to follow as we seek to honor those around us, specifically honoring our parents. Regardless of what our, our context is with our parents, whether they are our biological parents, whether they are uh, people we call our parents, whether we don't know our parents, but have folks that have, have come in and filled that void as mom and dad, what Whatever that dynamic may look like, God, I pray that you would press on our hearts the importance of the honor we show them, especially when they are hard to honor. Because God, I know that I'm hard to honor, but you've still chosen to love me. You love me for the sole fact that I belong to you. May we view our families the same way. That like it or not, they're part of our family. May we honor them as we honor you. And may God, as we increase the honor in our families and those around us, that God, you would continue to give us a quality family, a great family that you promise us. In Jesus' name.